Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And we just want to say how glad we are that you decided to join us for one of our weekend worship experiences online here at Faith Church. Again, we know many of you are Faith Church family. We want to say it every week how much, man, we miss you. Cannot look forward more than uh, ever being back together, hanging out together, worshiping together. But again, we're so glad that we can continue to connect, experience God's word, experience God's presence through worship. And so again, thanks for tuning in. Not just our Faith Church family, but we want you to know if this is your first time tuning in for one of our weekend worship experiences, we are so glad that you're here. Ultimately, we have people every weekend watching from literally all over this nation and some all over the world. So wherever you're tuning in from, however many times you've been a part of one of our work, uh, weekend worship experiences, want you to know we're glad that you are here. Hey, listen, before we jump in too far, I want to give a shout out to some people who are right over my shoulder. Some of you may or may not know, but we have a school of ministry here at Faith Church. We feel an obligation and a call to invest in the next generation and to raise them up to be the people that God's called them to be and to pursue the calling that's on their life. And so we put a school of ministry in place. It's a nine-month program. It's a gap year program to help young people figure out what leadership looks like, to figure out what theology and the Bible looks like, to figure out ultimately what the call of God looks like. And we invite them into every aspect of leadership and ministry here at Faith Church. And they invest nine months here and we invest nine months in them. And this is the school that's recently graduated. So we just wanna give a big shout out. And man, at home, I would just encourage you, if you know them, to take a minute, find them on social media and send them a personal shout out. We are so proud of each and every one of them. We're excited for what God's gonna do in the next season as they step into the direction that God has for their life. Well, hey, listen, let me just ask you a question as we step into a brand new week. Who is your role model? Who is your role model? I think probably there are different times in our lives, but probably all of us at one time or another have had a role model. A role model is somebody that has characteristics or attributes that, you know, that we idolize or that we want to emulate. We see somebody and we want to, we want to, we want to look like them or live like them or act like them. Well, on TV right now, on ESPN, there's a mini-series that's happening. Maybe you're watching it. It's called The Last Dance. And The Last Dance is this mini-series following the basketball career of the great Michael Jordan. And uh, if you don't love basketball, that's okay. If you like sports, you like it because Michael Jordan has, is known by many to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest athlete of all times, a phenom in his time. And here's the thing about Michael Jordan. As you watch this again, it's just great to relive some moments. But at one point, probably for a decade, a little more, every single boy or girl that was on the asphalt or the hardwood looked up to Michael Jordan as the role model, right? I mean, every time for a decade, every time the basketball was shot, there was a kid sticking their tongue out and shooting the ball saying, Jordan, and some of you, you remember that. It didn't look like Jordan shooting the ball, and it didn't go in the basket like Jordan shooting the ball. But again, everybody looked up to MJ. I mean, Gatorade, the Gatorade commercial didn't help any when it came out with the song, right? Like Mike, to be, right? I mean, like, I want to be like Mike. I wanted to be like Mike. Everybody, I want to be like Mike. Now, here's the thing. Michael Jordan, let's just be honest. He was probably a once-in-a-generation athlete, maybe once-in-a-lifetime athlete, which means he was an unreachable role model. You can want to be like him. You can even practice like him, but nobody was going to be the next MJ. But here's the thing. Again, we still have role models. So today, for a few minutes, 
I want to dig into a role model that's reachable for all of us. In fact, the person we're going to look at is this guy by the name of Abraham. Now, Abraham, if you don't know anything about him, we're going to dig a little bit into his story. But ultimately, what we find out about Abraham is that he is a role model of faith. He's an example of being a believer. Everybody, if you're home, I want you to say a believer. A believer. Now, a believer is really an important word because it's one of the tags and the titles and the brand that God gives us as Christ followers. A believer. Now, we've been in this series rebranded, and what we're talking about is that as we go through life, we tend to pick up titles, brands, and tags that people give us, that our parents give us, that sometimes our peers give us. And Unfortunately, many of us who are watching this, we've been branded or we've been tagged and we've been named by things that are hurting us or hindering us or holding us back, that we've tended to buy the lie that the enemy spoke through somebody that we don't matter, that we're invisible, that we're unimportant, that we're weak, that we're not enough. And so we've been going through some of these brands, titles and tags. And what we've been saying throughout this entire series is, is that when you come into a relationship with your redeemer, you get rebranded, which is ultimately what God does is he gives us a brand new identity, that he takes some of the old brands that we carried and he gives us a new brand and ultimately we can let go of some of the hurt, we can let go of some of the hindrances and man, sometimes those new names become a brand new motivation and a brand new goal and a brand new wind beneath our wings to be who God's called us to be, rebranded. And so what, we, what we're gonna find in the last few weeks of this series is God gives us some very specific tags, titles, and brands, and they really become the steering wheel in our life. They really become our, our rudder. They really become the goal, the bullseye on the wall that we're aiming for. Again, one of those titles that we're going to cover today is a believer. Now, you know what a believer is, don't you? A believer is somebody who believes. <laughs> I mean, on the most generic level, a believer is somebody who believes, which means if you believe anything... Really, you fit the definition of being a believer. You can believe, for example, that the earth is flat and there's a whole segment of society that somehow believes it. And so since they believe something, they are believers. So I don't wanna talk about this generic idea of a believer. Again, this term believers found throughout scripture, Acts chapter five, verse 14, just to give us this picture says this, that, that believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. This is the first century church, man. The gospel was being preached. There were literally thousands of people coming into a relationship with Christ. The kingdom of God was being flooded with people turning to God. And so, but again, what I want you to notice is that God's word describes them, tags them, defines them as believers. So I wanna dig a little deeper than just the generic phrase of a believer. A believer is somebody who believes. I wanna talk about a biblical believer. A biblical believer, if you're taking notes, is a believer. A believer is someone who places their faith in the power and the promises of God in Christ, which means I'm not just believing anything about anybody, specifically as a biblical believer. What it means, again, is that we're believing in the power and the promises of God in Christ, which means I believe that God can do anything at any time, and he has made promises to us, God has made promises over people. God has made promises to this world. God has made promises about our family. God has made promises about our future. God has made promises about our ability. God has made promises about our calling and our capacity. God has made promises over our life. And as a believer, I choose 
choose to believe that his promises are true and he has the power to deliver on those promises. Come on, a believer. But again, that last, those last two words, those believing in the power and the promises of God in Christ ultimately culminates that in Jesus, that Jesus came to be the savior of this world. And as we put our Again, we put our faith, we believe that he came to rescue us. We put our faith in the reality of who he is and what he did, that we believe that's what it means to be a believer. But again, the challenge for a lot of us is we hear that term believer, and some of you feel like, hey, that's a box I can check, like, like I did that, been there, done that. Thanks, pastor, next. And what you need to know about being a believer, being a believer is not something we did, it's something we do. Being a believer isn't a position, it's a pursuit. Being a believer isn't just how we got here, it's how we're gonna get there. Like, yeah, I, I know many of us who are watching this, we are in a relationship with God so we can check the box and say, I'm a believer. But I'm telling you, God's not finished with you yet. He still has promises over your life. He still has promises over your situation. And he has the power to deliver, which means if we're gonna access the next season that God has for our life, we can't stop being a believer. We have to keep being a believer. Come on, somebody. A believer. And so again, because it's a tag and a title that God gives us, ultimately it's our goal to keep striving and walking in the power and potential of being a believer. And so I want us to check out Romans chapter 4. Romans is a book written by the Apostle Paul. And as he digs in, when he gets to chapter 4, he introduces the readers to this person that we're talking about, again, our reachable role model, Abraham. Again, the example of faith. He is, he is the role model of what it looks like to be a believer. But as we read through all of Romans 4 today, I want you to really pay attention between the connection between the promise and the possession. What made the promise that God made Abraham accessible what made it his possession, we're gonna see, come on, it's, it's being a believer. It's having faith. And so Romans chapter four, verse one through three, listen to this. It says, Abraham was humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that's not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So this guy by the name of Abraham, we get his story all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 and he's this guy that God pulls out of obscurity and puts on the front scene of his purpose and his plan. He takes this guy and ultimately promises to Abraham that through his life, God's gonna birth an entire nation. And that's the promise. And we're gonna come across in a minute, some of you know the story, but he's got some obstacles, some things holding him back from that promise coming to pass. But ultimately, the purpose, and what we see in this is that the subject of Romans 4 is the purpose of faith. That's the subject. When you read all of Romans 4, uh, is, is giving us this idea, what's the purpose of faith? And what Paul, the point that Paul is trying to make really through all of this is that we're justified by faith, that, we are, that we're made right with God by faith. And if that's new terminology, another word is righteousness, which means how do we become good enough to have a relationship with a perfect, sinless creator? And so what Paul is contrasting in the life of Abraham as our reachable role model 
is that Abraham didn't work his way into a relationship with God because none of us are good enough to work our way in. We can't keep the law because we're all lawbreakers. The way we get into a relationship with God, it's, come on, it's the, it's the non-negotiable of faith. That all of us, our relationship with God is established. We got this conversation happening in culture right now because of the COVID, whether something's essential or non-essential. Let me just tell you to write it down. The most essential thing in every life of a believer is faith, that we're called to have faith. And so what I, what I want you to see is Paul is trying to tell us that, again, that, that we, don't, we don't work and therefore have acceptance with God. We have acceptance to God, which leads to us working. We don't get God to love us and then serve him. We serve him because he loves us. That Again, we don't, we don't have the credit to earn the gift of salvation, but he's got the character to give the gift of salvation. And that's what we put our faith in. I put my faith, I'm a believer. I believe again in the power and the promises of God that I couldn't earn God's love. I can't earn God's salvation. None of us watching this, we're not good enough in our own capacity or ability to ever reconnect what's been disconnected because of sin. But again, ultimately, the point that Paul is making is that God gives us this gift. And so the purpose of faith, if you're taking notes, faith connects our struggle with God's strength. Come on, this is, this is so good. Again, we're talking about being a believer. And being a believer and being, uh, having faith, those terms are synonymous. If you have faith, you're a believer. And if you're a believer, you have faith. And so as you go through this, I want you to see ultimately what is, what is the purpose of faith? The purpose of faith is to make that connection for us. It's to connect our struggle with God's strength. And when it comes to salvation, right, it connects, we have a problem with sin. And how do we connect with the grace of God? We do it through faith. We don't work our way there. We just accept it. We put our trust and our faith in God's gift. That's how we bridge it. But see, again, I'm telling you, that being a believer doesn't stop at becoming a Christian. Like being a believer has to continue to dominate our lives because there's still things that God has for all of us that we need to get a hold of and the way we access it, the way we connect our struggle with his strength is through faith. The way you connect your impotence with God omnipotence is through believing, is through faith. The way you connect or the way you, you access uh, your your inability with God's sufficiency, your inadequacy, I'm not enough with somebody who is enough, the way you do that, come on, is through faith. And I want you to see this, Matthew chapter nine, there's just a real quick story of these two guys who are blind. They, they have a weakness they, they can't fix. They have a struggle that they don't know what to do with and they come to Christ. And I want you to see this because there's some really powerful phrases here I want to pull out. Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 to 30 says this, that they, these two blind men, went right into the house where Jesus was staying. Now, I just got to stop and tell you, man, come on, that's some boldness. These guys are like, listen, I'm going to get, I'm going to get mine. I wish some of you watching at home, man, would just say, listen, I'm not going to let anything keep me from accessing what God has for me. I'm not going to let anybody keep the door closed on me. I'm not going to let friendships hold me back. I'm not going to let other people around me keep me back. I'm not going to let the person sitting beside me watching this online hold me back from getting what God has for me. Man, these two blind men just like walked in. And it says, and Jesus asked them, watch this, do you believe? Everybody say, believe. Do you believe that I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. 
Well, if they believed that Jesus could make them see, they were believers. It says, verse 20, 29, then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. And then their eyes were opened and they, they could see. Did y'all see that? I want you to notice that a lot of times when you have conversations with people and sometimes even when you read stories in scripture, you'll see, have, you'll see people having some really radically profound experiences. You'll see God showing up in their life and you'll see sometimes it looks like God is absent in someone else's life. And there's, there's a lot we can dig in there, but I just want you to hear that sometimes the variance of experience doesn't have to do with God's power, it has to do with our faith. The variance in experience, which means sometimes some people experience real breakthroughs and some people don't. And the issue is not God's power, the issue is our faith. Because if we're not believing for the power and the promises of God to come to pass in our life, then we're not gonna see it come to pass. Did you see the question that Jesus asked the blind men? You gotta get it. He said, do you believe I can make you see? He didn't say, do you believe I have the power? He said, the question is, do you believe? And then he even answered, he says, because of your belief, it's gonna happen. I'm just telling you, faith, faith puts the cookie jar on the bottom shelf. When, I'm, when I tell you that, I, my, my, uh, when, I, when I came up, come on, I'm a little Debbie fan. Man, little, me and little, little Debbie. You know, everybody's got, a, everybody's got a crush when they're a kid. My crush when I was a kid was little Debbie. And so my, my mom always had to make sure she had the goods for my dad's lunch. She would always make my dad's lunch in the morning. And so we didn't have a ton of money, but so she would take the different snacks that sometimes she bought for my dad's lunch and she would put them way up on the shelf. Somewhere where I was small, I couldn't get them. So it didn't matter how much I wanted to hang out with little Debbie, it was too high on the shelf for me to access. And what I'm telling you is that there are things about God's potential and God's promises and God's power. And the way you access them, like you might be going through something and you feel like God is out of reach, that God is, God is, God is beyond your ability to connect with him. And how do you connect with the creator? How do you connect with Christ? How do you access who he is? See, when I'm telling you that faith puts, puts, puts it on the bottom shelf, I'm telling you faith makes everything in who God is and what God can do accessible. It's not about God didn't, faith isn't a chair you stand on to reach up where God is. Faith brings God where we are. We didn't go to heaven. Jesus left heaven and came to earth and we connect with him through faith. We believe for who he is and we believe for what he can do. And that belief causes a transfer of life change, not in just his power, but in our faith to believe it and receive it. Come on, somebody. So listen to this. Here's, here's what I know is it's easy to believe, though, when it's easy to believe. When I say that, I mean, it's easy to believe God when it's easy to believe God. It's, it's easy to have faith. It's easy for your faith to feel strong when all your bills are paid, when your marriage is strong, when your kids are bringing home A's, when, when you just got the job, when you just got into school. Like when your life feels on a right path, it's easy to have faith. What I'm telling you is that God wants us to have faith, not just in the light, God wants us to be believers in the dark. It, see, it's, it's easy to believe when you're, sitting, when you're sitting on a Sunday morning behind the screen and your whole family loved Jesus and 
but it's harder to believe when you're at school, when we get back there or you're at work and you're surrounded by a bunch of people that don't have the same faith you have. They don't believe the same way you believe. It's harder to believe God when things aren't going your way. When the bills aren't paid, do you still have faith? When the marriage is unraveling, do you still? See, see faith, you gotta understand this. Faith is such a big, big, big deal. And it's easy to believe when it's easy to believe. The challenge for some of us is, is that sometimes our, our helplessness holds us back. And I'm just telling you, your helplessness doesn't have to lead to hopelessness, which means if you're in a situation and like you don't know how to get out of it, you don't know how to get to the other side, the power and the promises of God seem so far and so distant away from you, you feel helpless. I'm just telling you, helplessness can be a good thing because helplessness if you're not careful, will lead to hopelessness. But the purpose of helplessness, really what it causes us to do is it causes us to reach out to something greater than ourselves. See, because typically the first place we look is inside. Can I do this? Do I have the fortitude to overcome this struggle? Do I have the ability? Do I have the knowledge to fix this? And when you're left feeling helpless, I'm just telling you, it causes you to reach outside of yourself to believe in the power and the promises of God in Christ. And so your helplessness doesn't have to lead to hopelessness because the answer to hopelessness is faith. It's, it's hope, it's believing. Come on, somebody, everybody say believer. God's called us to be a believer, not just to be a believer when we come to Jesus and not just to be a believer when everything is going well, but to be a believer in the dark, to be a believer in a difficult situation. Just to continue, man, God is a good God even though it doesn't feel like he's good. God has good things for me even though it doesn't feel like I'm in a good season. Listen, God's goodness is not dependent on my situation. It's dependent on his promises and his power to get me to the place he has for me. Come on, I believe even when I can't feel it or see it. Come on. As you move through this story, you get about halfway through, and this is where I want to dig in for a few minutes because, again, we just get introduced to Abraham. We get introduced to this idea that, again, he, he found acceptance with his creator, not through his work, but through his faith, and he's our role model. We can all, we're all called to that level of faith that, that I can look at Abraham and say, hey, I, I can have that faith. Come on, look at somebody at home and say, I can have that faith. Just simple believing in the promises and the power of God. And so if you're taking notes, again, ultimately we see this, the significance of Romans 4 is the power of faith. And we're living in a season right now where we need more faith than ever. As things continue to go topsy-turvy in society and culture and finances and businesses and family and physical challenges with sickness, as we continue to face really one of the huge challenges and not just what's happening with COVID, but we continue to see social injustice happening all over our nation. As we face these things, I'm just telling you, the answer and the response is, is how we come back to the power of faith to know that God can move in this. And so Romans chapter four, Paul continues to talk about our reachable role model, Abraham. And notice what he says. He says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Now, let me stop. What he's saying is that there was a season in Abraham's life where he didn't have any rational reason to feel any hope. Like he felt he was full of helplessness. Like, I just don't know what to do. But he said, even though he didn't have any hope, even though he didn't feel like any hope was there, he said he just kept on hoping. 
I'm praying for every person watching this broadcast that God will give you a persuasive faith, that God will give you a strong ability to believe that no matter what you're facing, no matter how overwhelmed you are, when you have no reason to hope, you're going to keep on hoping. Man, that's what I want for me. And it says this, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Remember, that was the promise. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So again, here's, here's Abraham. The reason he was wrestling, the reason he felt on some level hopelessness is because, you know, if you read this story and you know it, ultimately Abraham gets this promise that God's gonna make him a great nation when in this point in his life, he's 75 years old. His bride, Sarah, is 65 years old. They've been trying their entire life marriage to have kids and they've not had any. So she's barren or or he's got some issues. And at this point in history, there's no, no little blue pill to help a brother out. Come on. And But God shows up and it's not about the, the ability of her womb or the capacity of his, his ability to produce a child. The capacity is found in the promise of God. And so what the Bible is telling us is, is the example that we have, the role model of Abraham, is Abraham isn't looking at his own body's ability to produce a child because he knows there, there's, there's just no hope. What he's looking at is the ability of God to produce a child. And so that's where his hope was at. Like in me, I'm in trouble. If this is up to me, I'm in trouble. If this is up to Sarah, we're in trouble. Again, the way they're defined, imagine this is they're called, Abraham is called, his body is called as good as dead. That's not what you wanna hear from your wife. But he says, hey, it's, it's not just up to me. Come on. When you're a believer, a biblical believer is not in our ability, not in our capacity. Being a biblical believer is believing or trusting in the power and the promises of God in Christ. Come on. And so as you read through this, ultimately what you find is that, that the apostle Paul is kind of telling us the story of Abraham. How did he go from this, this person out of obscurity to getting the call of God and the promise of God and ultimately seeing this promise come to pass. How, how did he get from having no kids to ultimately he had kids and his kids had kids and his kids' kids had kids and ultimately they became the Jewish nation? How did he get there? And the whole, the whole point that Paul is trying to make is in telling his story is that, that he didn't get there through his ability, he got there through God's ability and he connected his weakness with God's strength through believing, through faith. I don't know if you know this, but as you read the Bible, much of the Bible is narrative, which means as you read it, a lot of it is a person telling the story. All of the gospels, the gospels, for example, they're all a narrative. They're all people writing and telling the story of Jesus, telling the story of his miracles, telling the story of his encounters, telling the story of his birth, death, and resurrection. So much of the New Testament is narrative. And anytime you get a narrative, anytime you get a storyteller, Anytime you get a reporter, like we all know this, right? Almost all reporters have a bias. 
which means they don't wanna just give you the facts. They They wanna bend you towards their perspective. They wanna bend you to their bias, right? I mean, if you watch any news at all, we know this. If you're gonna watch Fox News, come on, they're not just giving you the facts, they're giving you a bias, which means if they're talking about Republicans, Republicans are the cast meow and Democrats are the devil. And then you flip over to CNN and the Democrats are all that in a bag of chips and the Republicans, you know, are a bunch of whatever. Because you're not just getting the news. Every reporter has a bias and they want to bend you to their bias. Now, here's what's crazy is that doesn't just happen on Fox and CNN. We all have reporters in our life. You have a reporter in your life. In the same way that the reporters on the news want to bend to a bias, we have reporters in our lives and they wanna give us their interpretation of our situation, right? We have friends that wanna speak into what we're going through and tell us, man, you're never gonna make it through that. You're always gonna be in that situation. You're never gonna make it in that program. You're always gonna be stuck in that. You're always gonna be stuck in a bad marriage. Come on, we have people that always wanna give us their perspective. They just don't wanna tell us the facts that we already know. They wanna kind of bend us their direction. And sometimes it's not our friends, sometimes it's our feelings. Like we just look at it and we just feel hopeless. We feel like it's never gonna change. We feel like it's, it's never, it's always gonna be in this situation, right? It's, it's all of us, we wrestle with the reporters in our lives. Come on, we live with a mental reporter in the background, always talking to us, always giving us their opinion. Come on, now I just found that the reporter sometimes in my life is not the most optimistic reporter. How many of you at home are wrestling with a pessimistic reporter in your mind that as you go through your day, as you go through your, your, your finances, as you balance your checkbook, as you get on quicken, as you deal with your kids, as you wrestle through your spouse, as you drive to your job, like there's a reporter going throughout the day giving you the negative intel on your life. And you know what faith is? Faith is the reporter that we all need. Come on, faith is the one that steps in and gives us a brand new interpretation. If you're taking notes, watch this. Faith is a better reporter than feelings, faculties, or friends. Like we all got Job's friends that give us the worst. We all have what our eyes, when I say faculties, I mean our eyes, our ears. And did you know sometimes even our feelings, did you know your feelings can betray you? You can feel one thing and it'd be wrong. You can be convinced that that's the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with and everybody around you tell you they're not good for you. And like we wrestle with our perspective and we wrestle with our feelings. We wrestle with our faculties. We wrestle with our friends. And I'm just telling you faith, the power of faith is that faith steps in and it it narrates our story. It's the storyteller. It's the reporter. It's the one that gives us a proper perspective. It doesn't just give us the, the bend of bias that other people give, bending us towards the negative. What faith does is faith bends us to believe. Faith bends us to believe God's promises. Faith bends us to believe the impossible. When, because with God, all things are possible. Faith bends us to believe that that situation is not hopeless. Come on, I'm praying for every one of you that will step into not just being a believer to get us saved, but being a believer to step into the season and destiny and purpose that God has for all of us. Come on, it took faith to get where we're at and it's gonna take faith to get where we're going and the reporter in a lot of our lives are gonna get us off path. We need to be a believer and stand in the promises of God. Come on. In fact, he says this, listen, again, here's Abraham. He is 75 years old. By the time he has the kid, he's 100. Imagine 
for 25 years, starting at 75. Imagine what his friends are saying to him. Come on, Abraham, you ain't gonna have no kids. Who are you, who are you kidding? I wonder who the person was who actually said the phrase, come on, bro, you're as good as dead. I mean, he's got all of this negative intel. Probably Abraham's a lot like you and I. Probably when he went to bed at night, when he turned off his oil lamp and all he had was the light of the stars above his tent. I imagine he had the reporter of his imagination start chirping and chiming in. Come on, Abraham, are you kidding me? You're not gonna have any, I can't have any kids. This is impossible. I've been trying my whole life and I'm older than ever. My wife, she's, we're as good as dead. This ain't, like he had all of the reporters around him. And at some point, verse 20 says this, but Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. I'm praying for you that in the middle of all of the other reporters in your life, all of your feelings, faculties, and friends that are saying something contrary, that you and I, we're gonna take on, we're gonna own our brand as believers, and I'm not gonna waver, and you're not gonna waver. We're not gonna waver over the promise of God of, of who he's called us to be, of what he's called us to do, of the call on our life, of the plan and purpose for our life. Listen, we're not gonna waver on what's gonna happen. In our, we're not gonna buy the lie that we're gonna end up like every other divorce, divorce family. Listen, I'm believing that God's gonna restore families. I'm believing that God's going to set our kids free of addictions. I'm believing God's going to supply and meet needs of businesses right now that are struggling. See, that's what faith does. Faith connects our inadequacies with God's sufficiency. And listen, God is a provider. That means when I lack, what bridges the gap, what puts it on the bottom shelf is my faith, is I can access God's healing when I'm sick. I can access God's strength when I'm weak. I can access God's righteousness when I'm wicked. We can access God's wisdom when we don't know what to do. And we access it all. All of the promises and power of God is there as we believe. And there's so many other voices that'll tell us you can't, you shouldn't, you won't, never, always. And we got to step back and let faith be the reporter. And here's, if you're taking notes, faith is a better reporter than feelings, faculties, your friends. And here's why, because faith doesn't just give you the truth, but the whole truth. Faith doesn't just give you the truth but the whole truth. If you've ever been to, um, if you've ever been to court, you've heard that phrase to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. See, I, what I'm telling you is that there is there is a truth, truth, right? Maybe we're going through a difficult situation, but what faith does is faith comes in and gives us a bigger picture. Faith comes in and gives us the whole truth. We live in a world right now that will tell you that if if you're a person of faith, you're not a person of science, or if you're a person of faith, you're not a person of reality, almost like those two things are diametrically opposed. And I just wanna give you a new way of thinking. The difference isn't whether you're a person of faith or of science. You can be a person of science and be a person of faith. Those ideas are not diametrically opposed, they're complementary. And that, just, that goes back to our own life. Again, this popular thinking of whether we can go by faith or facts. And what I'm telling you is that what faith does is faith gives us another level of truth. It unlocks a whole nother level, which means, listen to what I'm telling you, Abraham was able to look at his body and he was able to say, fact, this junk is dead 
and it's no good. But faith said, there's another level of truth. There's a God who's able. There's a God who loves me. There's a God who has a promise over my life. And I'm choosing not to believe in the inability of my body. I'm choosing to believe in the ability of my God. Come on, faith doesn't just tell you the truth. It tells you the whole truth. And the whole truth is there's a God who's bigger than you, who has a plan that's greater than you, who has a capacity to deliver it to you. And we access it, come on, by being a believer. Now, I'm just telling you, man, being a believer, is, it's active. You have to choose to believe. If you start flying on autopilot, I promise you, our default mode, our default mode is unbelief. Our default mode is doubt. So if you're, if you're doubting, if you're struggling with belief, I just wanna just challenge you, man, to, to, to flip the switch. To, to bear the brand that your redeemer put on you and choose to be not just the believer that got you where you are, but again, to be the believer that God wants you to be to get where you're going. See, what Abraham does here is, is so powerful. Abraham is able to, to walk this tightrope that I think sometimes we struggle with, especially as we talk about the truth and the whole truth. Ultimately, the pitfall of the both extremes is rejection or resignation. You need to write those words down. Rejection or resignation. See, a lot of times when we try to walk out our faith, we struggle with those two ideas. When I say rejection or resignation, a lot of times we reject the truth. Right? You know people that are this way. They go to a doctor and they get a, a, get a report from the doctor and they'll tell you, well, my doctor said I have cancer, but I don't have cancer. I don't receive that. Well, listen, you can say that, but According to the report, you have cancer. I know some of you are gonna write in and say, come on, pastor, you need to speak faith. I'm telling you what a believer is. A believer takes into account the facts and the facts are your marriage is on the brink. The facts are you're struggling with an addiction. The facts are you're broken. You don't have any money in your account. The facts are you're disconnected from your creator. The facts, like you can't deny the facts. But again, what happens when faith steps in is faith unlocks a whole new level of truth, a whole new level of facts. But on the other side of rejection is resignation. I said resignation. Some of you have resigned yourself to the truth. Well, truth is my marriage is on the rocks and I'm gonna end up in divorce. So the balance of faith that we're called to walk isn't rejection when we reject the truth. We accept a higher truth, a greater truth. We don't walk by feeling faculty or friends. We walk by faith. And the other side is we don't resign ourselves to truth. Truth is, I am struggling. Truth is, I, I do have a habit. Truth is, I am depressed. Truth is, I am battling. Truth is, I don't. But listen, even though I, I feel helpless, I'm not hopeless because there's a God who's greater than me, who has a plan that's bigger than me. And all I got to do to access it is faith. And so I think what we find in Abraham is he does this incredible job where as he walks through, he accepts the reality of his body being as good as dead, but he still engages the truth of God's ability to bring forth children and a nation out of him. And so I think the balance isn't the rejection of truth or the resignation to truth, but I think it's the revelation of truth. I'm not, gonna, I'm not just gonna reject what is really right in front of me, and I'm not gonna resign myself to it. I'm asking God to give me a revelation of his power and of his promises, that God, I can put my faith in that. 
And so whatever you're struggling with and whatever your battle is, whatever's holding you back, whatever's too big for you, whatever people said about you, I'm just calling us to the place that God calls us to, to be a believer, to lock into something bigger, to believe a reporter that's greater, not to ignore. I'm just telling you, listen, it's, it's okay to own some of your struggle, but to see that God's the answer and God's the solution. Verse 19, he says this, he uses this phrase, and Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at 100 years of age. I, I just think, man, all of us, as I get ready to wrap this, we all wrestle with our even those. Like, yeah, this is who God is, but even though I still struggle, even though I still have, a, have an issue, even though I still feel overwhelmed, even though I still haven't gotten the job, even though, come on, I, some of you got some even those in your life. Again, you got a big truth in front of you. You got a, you've got a reporter in front of you. I'm just telling you, man, we need to follow the role model, the reachable role model of Abraham and say, man, Abraham had a truth, but he had a greater truth. He had a reporter, but he had a greater reporter. He had a perspective, but he had a greater perspective. And what bent him that way was belief. And I just choose to believe that in spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what everybody's telling me, I choose to believe. We choose to believe as believers. What do believers believe? Believers believe in the power and the promises of God in Christ. And so as I close, I wanna give you one more verse. Because again, ultimately Abraham, you may never be a Michael Jordan, but you can be an Abraham. And I'm just gonna tell you, if I can only pick one, Abraham. Abraham. Romans 4, 16 tells us that really we all have the same faith of Abraham. He's not out of your reach. If you're like, Pastor, I wish I had the faith you're talking about. Romans 4, 16 says, so the promise, God's promises in your life, my life, the promise of salvation, the promise of everything that we have in God through Christ. So the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, and listen to this, for Abraham is the father of all of us who believe. What Paul is saying is that we all have the same spiritual genetic code as Abraham. That is the moment you said yes to Jesus, that genetic code kicked in and you became a believer. You were able to connect your struggle with sin to a gracious savior. And that ability to believe beyond what you see and beyond your struggle is still a call on all of our lives. I just choose to believe that God can make a way. I choose to believe that God can deliver me. I choose to believe for God's strength, God's provision, God's hope, God's restoration. I just choose to believe that, man, God's working in this. I choose to believe even though it's dark, I'm in the light because I'm with Christ. I just choose, I just choose to believe. And it may not be what your friends, your feelings, and your faculty say, but faith, faith is what we're called to. And so I just want to pray for you, man. If you're at home and maybe you're in a situation and, man, you just need the faith of Abraham, I'm praying today that God would just unlock that in your life and you would choose to bend towards belief. And so, Father, I thank you today for your grace and your mercy and your strength. I pray in Jesus' name, God, do a work in every single heart in life that's watching this. I pray, Father God, unlock the capacity of faith on the inside of us. Lord, not just generally believing anything, but Lord, I pray, make us biblical believers to again, believe that your promises, to believe your power, the way Paul said it, they're all yes and amen in Christ. And Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you're watching at home and you've never given your life to Christ, that's the first step 
That's the first connection to Christ is through faith, believing that we're sinners and we need a savior. That's why Jesus came to lay down his life to make it possible for every single person, every single person to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're at home, man, you've never said yes to Jesus, you can pray a simple prayer just saying, God, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my savior. I'm telling you, he will show up in your life and change you in a powerful way. If you pray that prayer, I wanna encourage you just to take a minute and text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for another week here at Faith Church. God bless you guys.